To receive medical attention, going to a primary care physician, an urgent care facility, or an emergency room are all options. So, we're discussing how to know which one is right for what ails you. Our guest, Dr. Adam Netter, a family medicine physician with Cumberland Healthcare. This is Healthier You, a podcast from Cumberland Healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Joey Waller. Hi, Dr. Netter. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to have you. So first, before we get into some details here, when seeking treatment, how much confusion do you find patients have about whether a primary care doctor, an urgent care facility, or the ER is the appropriate choice? Well, I think that's a big issue for a lot of patients of knowing where to go and when. There's no real good education on that, and then there's less good criteria for it. I mean, a recent study by Truven Health showed that about 71% of emergency room visits made by patients with employer-sponsored insurance coverage were for non-emergency causes. So even in New York State recently had 2 million-plus claims that 9 out of 10 were for potentially preventable reasons, such as you know infection, sores, throat, headaches, urinary tract infections, and ear infections. Wow, that's pretty eye-opening in terms of the numbers, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's like that across the board, but those were some of the more drastic ones. But it's definitely something that we do see commonly in an emergency room. So. so that being said, what should you go to an emergency room for? And what are some examples you can give from your own experience of things that people wrongly think the ER is for? Well, mostly things that are, again, I always like to say, if a patient is concerned for their life, for something that could result in loss of life or limb, if not treated immediately, that's usually an emergency. So anything with heart-related symptoms, heart disease, including chest pain, severe shortness of breath, any kind of warning signs of a stroke, numbness in the face, arms, legs, difficulty moving certain parts of your body, severe bleeding or bleeding that you cannot get control with normal measures, typically any kind of automobile or uh, work-related accidents that are pretty severe, poisoning, severe bone injuries, major illnesses, head injuries always, and then obviously mental health things such as suicide attempts, uh, not necessarily things like depression, a more critical kind of aspect of that. And then you touched on it a moment ago, but give us a couple of the main examples of things that people come to the emergency room for unnecessarily. Well, I can tell you a few that I've had in the past, people coming in at 3 a.m. for refills of their vitamins. Really? People coming in for chronic back pain issues, yep. <laughs> and we're welcome to see those patients, but again, we try to utilize the emergency room because we do get pretty busy sometimes, so we do disservice to other patients sometimes in the process, and again, people can sit there for a lot longer than they would at a primary care or urgent care's office for these basic things. But again, yeah, people will come in for basic things like paper cuts even, I know parents bring their children in for, you know, sometimes the second they get some symptoms of any kind of infection or flu. And again, we're very happy to see them, but a lot of times these things can, you know, initially be managed outpatient with the primary care physicians or an urgent care, for example, or sometimes even just monitoring the symptoms. So again, that phrase of saying, you know, it's emergency room should be reserved mostly for situations that we're concerned for loss of life or severe impairment, if not getting medical attention immediately. Gotcha. And as you just mentioned, it's amazing to me as well that people would come and risk sitting in the ER maybe for hours to see someone for something that seems so manageable elsewhere. So let me ask you this. ER personnel also are not in a position to give medical advice or referrals by phone, am I right? You get a lot of those calls as well. Correct. That is a problem. I wish we had a 
better option for patients with this. But issue is, again, a lot of times it's legal things. I have never seen you face-to-face. I don't know your history. Someone calls me, asks for basic things about even, again, a headache, Tylenol dosing. I can't officially say anything because it could be something more severe, potentially. I don't know your history. I don't know any of that stuff. So a lot of times we're limited to just say, if this is a life-threatening emergency or you're very concerned for your health, please come in. You know, we're open 24-7. We hate to have people come in here sometimes because They'll come in for a chronic issue, chronic respiratory disease, nothing really new. But what happens is people sitting here are sick sometimes. So you can pick up COVID, you can pick up the flu. We do everything to keep everything sterile. But again, these things happen and people do pass things on to each other. That's a great point because what you're making clear there is that if you show up unnecessarily to the ER, not only might you not get treated for what you're seeking, but you may actually make things worse. Yeah. Sometimes that can't happen for sure. Yeah. So aside from wasting the patient's time, as we've discussed, how much extra burden does going to the ER unnecessarily put on the emergency staff there on the other side? Well, here in Cumberland, we're a little bit limited, obviously. You know, we are only a critical access hospital. So, you know, it definitely puts a strain on when we get four, five, six patients on top of that. Plus, we do also cover our inpatient service. So anybody who's admitted to the hospital. So, you know, use the physician and some of the staff are bouncing between those two areas. So things are getting kind of hectic in one or the other. Well, then it gets pretty sticky pretty quickly out there. Sure. So having covered when one should and shouldn't go to the ER, Urgent care locations have become so much more prevalent in recent years as kind of a step between the ER and a primary care visit. So what are the things you should typically go for there? So for urgent care, again, is for quick kind of effective things for minor injuries or illnesses that need some urgent attention usually. Are also in the place of, again, if you do not have a primary care physician or you're in after-hours times, then definitely urgent care is the place for you. So minor cuts, burns, wounds, injuries like that, small infections, cold flu symptoms, sprains, muscle aches and pains. Sometimes people come for allergies and uh, severe muscle aches and earaches, GI symptoms, upset stomach, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, those kind of things as well. Basically, anything that needs urgent attention but is non-life-threatening. You're breaking it down in a very simple way for people to remember if it's life-threatening or needs to be addressed immediately, ER. If it's something of an urgent matter that doesn't quite meet the ER criteria, urgent care. That, of course, leaves us now primary care physician. And really, am I right, there's still no long-term substitute for seeing a primary care doctor regularly, meaning... How often should most patients get checkups on an ongoing basis, and what are the benefits of that? For the average healthy person, I think a yearly visit at least is a good idea because you need time to get to know your primary care physician and for them to get to know you, your needs, your requirements, and expectations for your health. My biggest thing is prevention is the best medicine we have. So if we can prevent issues from getting worse or happening, that's my goal with my patients. Same thing, a lot of times people come in and by the time they get to see us, it's when they are coming with issues. It's better to come with me. Don't have issues and monitor things because it's kind of like a car running on low oil. It can run for you know a few days, a few years even sometimes without an issue. But once it crashes on the highway for you, then you got big problems. And then a lot of times you can't fix some of those. And then it's just about managing them. So if we can prevent those things, that is my goal. And that's what primary care, I think, goals is a lot of times. Doing a lot of annual exams and screenings immunizations, chronic disease management, prenatal care, obviously all the things that urgent care does, 
sprains, muscle aches, allergies, all that thing in between too. That's kind of where we're at with that. And also nuts and bolts, things like regular blood work, screenings, vaccines, and of course vaccines are more important than ever, right? You can get all of those at a primary care doctor who can also during that time either become or stay familiar with your history, right? Exactly, yeah. And a lot of times we don't know we have issues until we find something abnormal sometimes on blood work or sometimes even just a screening question for family history can pop up a few things that we see, oh, this could be something we need to take a look at in the future or now. So we definitely have found a few actual genetic disorders and sometimes even cancers in just by that. Also, in terms of referrals, obviously a primary care doctor, you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, Doc, Primary care physician familiar with you, who's seen you on an ongoing basis, knows maybe some things are a little bit unique, perhaps, about your history. He's going to be, she's going to be more comfortable making a referral to a specialist than someone seeing you right off the street, right? Exactly, yeah. And that's an important thing, because sometimes someone just seeing you one time, hearing a story from you about what's going on once can make a completely different assumption about what might be going on versus someone that's been seeing you for a few years and you come in with this issue. So family practice, you know, general practitioner, it's, we're the hub. We do referrals to different physicians, but again, we're that central kind of a hub for you to bring all your care together, you know, coordinate with other specialists sometimes if we need to, get you to the ones that you need to go to, and then following up with you if you've been to the ER or urgent care. So... And then the important thing with that is, too, electronic medical records are a problem sometimes for us because some hospitals don't communicate with each other. So it's always great when our patients, you know, come into ER, urgent care, or even to the, our office, bring in their information from a, all their hospital, from other states, you know, have a list of their medications they're taking, what they're taking them for. Because a lot of times patients say, I, you know, yeah, I'm taking that green one for something and I don't know what, but, you know, the green one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard sometimes there. They don't cover that in medical school for you guys, do they? No, they don't cover that at all. <laughs> Even you're not in a position to necessarily identify, quote unquote, the green one. Yeah, we try our best, but... Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do. You got you to gotta have patients willing to work with you, and I think that's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? Exactly. And, and another thing that's been post-COVID, I know COVID changed a lot of things in, in medicine. So I definitely think it's helpful for people and medical staff to know just you know where to go. So we use our resources appropriately. I mean, ER visits initially dipped down during the, high, the pandemic about 42% because people just didn't want to go in. They were afraid to catch something, you know. Things are going up, but a lot of physicians, nurses, all kinds of medical staff have burnout. And we're experiencing a significant short staff in various cities, most hospitals. I mean, at this point, it's even hard to transfer patients out sometimes because they might have beds available, but not enough staff to take care of those people in those beds. So that's a big goal for us here, too. We make sure we're using our resources appropriately. COVID made a big thing important, too, is telehealth services, which are available, too. I definitely encourage people, if they're concerned about their health in any way, go to the ER because, again, that's their decision at their discretion. But there's also options for telehealth services they, they can reach for some basic things if you're after hours, if you're not near an urgent care. Yep, telehealth definitely yet another option for some of those simpler things indeed. Well, folks, we trust you're now more familiar with when to go where for medical attention. Dr. Adam Netter, thanks so much again. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. For more information, please visit CumberlandHealthCare.com. Again, that's CumberlandHealthCare.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social media. And thanks for listening to Healthier You. 
a podcast from Cumberland Healthcare. Hoping your health is good health. I'm Joey Waller.